0: to the Eye on the U podcast Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast I'm David Wilson I'm joined as always on the other line by Susan Miller Degman our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald Susan how's it going
1: it's going going well going well for everybody I guess
0: yeah going, on, going very well for the Miami Hurricanes these days yeah,
1: exactly I'm on a winning streak for uh writing winning gamers
0: yes that's true um uh, a, a little bit of a less stressful time around the Hurricanes beat these days uh, than it was uh, when it was two and four, and we were wondering about uh, coaching changes every day. Uh, yeah. Reading room for everyone, it feels like right now. Um, obviously, two back to back really good wins for Miami, including on Saturday in Pittsburgh. Um, now the schedule gets a little bit easier the rest of the way. Not that it's all gimmies, you know, they still got to go up to Florida State, still got Virginia Tech. Uh, coming down to Miami gardens in a few weeks, but uh, it, it's, it's opened up nicely for Miami. Uh, first of all, in, on the second half of this episode, we're going to be joined by Michelle Kaufman uh, to do a quick little Miami basketball preview. Uh, Cause they opened the season on Tuesday, but uh, we got to talk football at the top, obviously here, because um, for the first time all year, it's like a positive topic. It feels like. It
1: is. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Just, Happy days are here again.
0: Yeah, so I've got. Well, the next loss. We've got back to back top 20 wins for Miami. And I put together a list of 10 big takeaways, I think, from these games. Uh, We will run through them at the top here before we get uh, into basketball in the second half. um, And number one, I alluded to it at the top, but the schedule opened it up a little bit. But uh, Miami's a real ACC championship contender all of a sudden, which is obviously, um, yeah, I think we did a good job whenever we talked, being like, You know, like they could still get there, but they've got to look like a totally different team than they did in the first month and a half of the season. And uh, it is exactly basically what wound up happening is uh, they look like a totally different team than they did in the first uh, six games. And now really the first, I guess, like four plus, you know, those, those first two Van Dyke games showed some flashes, but they look like a totally different team than they did now in the first half of the season. All those like pipe dream predictions we said of Miami, like, not mathematically eliminated from the coastal um those have all kind of come to fruition where miami doesn't control its own destiny but uh you know if they went out they're they're in pretty good shape to get to charlotte somehow
1: yeah i mean they have to win out
0: yes definitely have to win out i don't know if that's mathematically the way it, it like I, I don't know if I, mathematically eliminate them we haven't gotten into that but they got to win out to have a chance obviously yeah,
1: we'd have to bring in like uh you know we'd have to
0: get like a math professor Albert
1: Einstein alive again to figure it out because um if they if they don't win out they they really have to win out and it's very it's very simple they have to win out and um uh and the winner and,
0: of Pitt, and Virginia, Virginia has to Pittsburgh, win another yeah, game
1: yeah Pittsburgh and Virginia each have to win one uh excuse lose, once. Have to lose one game one more and they game. play
0: each other in a couple of weeks so they play one each other, and, one more. and
1: and and I, as as I wrote after the game, it's preferable uh, for Miami would be Pitt beating Virginia when they meet on November twentieth in Pittsburgh, because um, Pitt right now has four ACC games left. Okay, and yeah. that they have more chances to lose. To one of the other ACC teams. Yeah, I
0: mean they could lose before that game. They've got two games right. before that. Yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. And Virginia um, only has two ACC
0: opponents left. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, in the uh, second to last week of the season, and they obviously close with Virginia Tech.
1: Yeah, so um, I mean, listen, this this you know this conference is wacky and as always, and and very close games always, and um, you know. Anything can happen, including, including Miami losing. You know, I'm not on I'm, Saturday.
0: Like you can't rule it out. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Two years ago, didn't they get killed by Georgia Tech, or they got upset by? Yeah, Kelly? I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You never know with Miami. Although with with Tyler Dyke, they sure as heck look a lot better. So yeah,
0: well, well, that takes me to my number two takeaway I have written down here, and that is that Miami finally looks like the team we expected in the preseason. Um, they did not get there in the way that I think we expected. We thought it was going to be De'Aaron King uh, putting together these types of performance. Uh, Tyler Reddick has been having. We thought maybe it was going to be you know Cam Harris, Don Chaney, and Jalen Knighton uh, Miami a, a dangerous at times running game. Um, yeah, I think we thought Mike Harley was going to have a big season at receiver, but, uh, you know, we thought the defense, you know, was going to be Bubba Bolden and, uh, DeAndre Johnson and some of these veterans, uh, making the big plays there, but suddenly like, at least like the offense is running the same way that, you know, they're not running the quarterbacks, not running as much as De Eric did obviously when he's at his peak, but, the offense is, is humming in ways it did last year. And, and the defense is, you know, we, I think we knew the defense was going to be the, the weaker point of this team, but we knew they had playmaking potential and, and they're doing a little bit of it. So, uh, you know, yes. Miami could easily regress back to the team we saw a month ago, but right now they look like the team we thought they were going to be
1: really do, and And, and, and Tyler is totally psyched up and, and he's got the team, he's got the team all pumped up. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to – we'll see how Georgia Tech plays them, but I think they're going to come out really hyped up uh, at Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday, and, um, I mean, they, sh- they should win the game. I'm The last two games I thought they were going to lose. I really thought they were going to lose. Uh, I had a little more optimism for them winning this last game, but this game, maybe it's a bad sign, but I I think mine is going to win this one, so – um yep they got to just keep rolling
0: I mean what's the spread on this I don't even remember I don't know
1: you know it's funny I just before the podcast I just I just thought of that that was the one thing I didn't look up at. I really should have um which i are <laughs>
0: looking it up right now yeah
1: I'm looking it up I should have done that uh, a while a while back uh nine point favorite I see I think is it nine here we are Okay, here we are. Here we are. 12 p.m. 12:30 p.m. Kick, and of course, when the pressure's on, here we go. Seven. They started out as a seven-point favorite. Miami did. Wow, it's up to ten or yeah. ten and a half
0: now. Yeah, man. I think people are on the uh, on the Tyler Van Dyke bandwagon. That brings me to point number three, and that is uh, Tyler Van Dyke is. Like I said, not running, you know, he's not the same player as D'Eric King, obviously, but he's a uh, reckless. Replic- <laughs> these last two weeks he has put together D'Eric King level performances. He has played as well. Basically as you know. I don't want to say, you know, D'Eric King's peak that the NC state game last year is going to be tough for basically any Miami quarterback to ever replicate, but he's putting together the week to week performances over these last two weeks, again, small sample size. Uh, the, the, that you know, we were kind of used to seeing from D.R. King last year. And, and like we thought uh, Dear King was going to deliver for this team this year.
1: Yeah, his his I think the really exciting thing is uh, his accuracy and D.R. And King had great accuracy. Yes. Uh, but uh, Tyler's accuracy is fantastic. Um, like I think it was like seventy four. 75 76 percent last week and
0: yeah and that has improved week to week that was you know we came on the first two games where we're like well, he, you know he's got a big arm but can he place it and he's figured and out that's, how to place it the last few weeks
1: exactly and the thing is he has a big arm right every time he makes a throw we're like whoa NFL arm so yeah. um you know he throws very hard but like really pretty passes I mean and and the thing is now you see the the Miami receivers, you know, especially the young guys, are really, uh, you know, they're making these great catches. You know, the yeah.
0: uh, you wrote about Xavier Restrepo this week, who had a, a his probably the best game of his career against Pittsburgh. Yes. Made a couple like diving catches. Um, and uh, yeah, Cam right. told us there's a rule. There was a rule in practice in the preseason that. Yeah. No one was allowed to make diving catches except for Xavier Restrepo, and uh, yeah, he's been you know his he obviously Keyshawn Smith we've talked a lot about on here, um, you know those guys are in that same class as Tyler Van Dyke and, and guys you know Xavier Restrepo said he roomed with Tyler I think last year right so yeah. you know you, you know there's like kind of that built-in connection and uh, it's it's definitely elevating kind of definitely. all those guys simultaneously. They're
1: they're they're totally. Uh, they're psyched. I, I keep saying that the, the receivers. So they're looking for the ball coming their way and they're, they're you know, jumping up high and diving and doing whatever they can. They, they know the ball's going to be there and it's, it's really fun. It's really fun um, to watch.
0: I'll also say, uh, I, you know, Red Lashley also like obviously caught some grief early in the year when the offense was not going uh, the way uh, the expectations uh, were set. But I think he's done a really, really good job. Basically, since Tyler's taken over, of um, you know, he's obviously had to change the offense. You can't run as much read option and that kind of stuff. And, and honestly, maybe that was kind of a blessing because the read option was not particularly working well in the first half of the year. Um, but also just like manufacturing big plays, right? Uh, you know, in the in the, yeah. the state game, they had that fourth and one play. I love it. Uh, yeah. Where they got Jalen Knighton you know, loose on, like, a screen-type play, tunnel screen kind of thing uh, for a 50-yard touchdown. Obviously, last week, the, the kind of signature play was that uh, reverse flea flicker uh, to get Will Mallory a touchdown. Like, they're – yeah. You know, even – even I think it was the North Carolina game. They ran a flea flicker on the first play of the game. Um, yeah, that one so, didn't work. Right? Which didn't work, but it, they got yeah. Keyshawn Smith open on it. And I think right. that a little bit extra creativity – has helped Tyler Van Dyke ease in, and, and obviously, you know the the big thing that uh, Lashley said on Monday is his confidence is sky high right now. Both La- both Van Dyke's confidence, but also now Lashley's confidence in Van Dyke, and you're seeing, um, you know, he he looks as good as as Derek did basically last year.
1: Yeah, he, and they're changing, and it, yeah, it's great. He can be; he doesn't have to be as conservative. He even yep. said he can mix it up. Oh, yeah, I love the, how there are explosive plays, you know, in the middle of these drives or whatever. There's some sh- really, it's interesting. There's some really short drives, like last week. Yeah, well, or, then, it's kind of the way
0: that fast-paced offense works. Is like the three and outs are really ugly, right? Because like a, a tempo offense, yeah. the idea is you pick up a first down and then you're moving, right? You're like, you're running, hurry up, stuff like that. Uh, so the three and outs can be really ugly if they're you know a run up the middle for no gain and two incomplete passes. Oh yeah, fast. I,
1: everything. Especially
0: especially when you have a young quarterback who, um, you know, was far from perfect. Obviously, uh, yeah. number four takeaway. Yeah. Number four takeaway I've got it is Jalen Knighton reinvigorating the run game. Um, he obviously took over at halftime of the UNC game, and actually the running numbers are not as good as I thought they were when I looked. You know they're. yards per carry against NC State, 2.2 against Pittsburgh. Obviously, sacks play into that, too. I think Jalen has been over uh, four Four? in both of those games and obviously was was fantastic in the second half of that North Carolina game. Um, I guess we can kind of combine my two takeaways here I have because number five is the offensive line seems to have improved, and particularly the guard play seems way better, and really the whole interior play since Sha'Kai Clark, as steadied thing yep. there, um, so the you know clearly seems like there are more holes for Jalen to run through than there were for Cam and Cheney at the start of the year. But um, his speed is, you know, he turns those eight yard gains into touchdowns basically. And that, you know, maybe he's not the Cheney or the the Cam bowling ball type guys who can just pick up three for you. Uh, but he he makes up for it by turning those medium-sized runs into touchdowns you know he's had i think a 40 plus yard touchdown in is yeah. it all three games now i think if you count the receiver that, touchdown.
1: he's that's that's the thing with Jalen. i mean he's a he's an all-purpose threat
0: right yeah
1: I, I mean it's it's not just running so defenses really have to watch out i mean he catches he runs he dives over piles um you know, is uh, just yeah. He definitely has reinvigorated the run game. I think they Manny Diaz said uh, on today, which is Wednesday, that um, that he's you know he's kind of gonna take it easy with Jalen during practice. I mean, he's practicing, yeah. but he's gonna be wearing a, a red jersey, non-contact, as will some of the other starters because they've got to, they've got to preserve their bodies. Now they're into November. And I think particularly a running
0: back where we, where they've lost Chaney and Harris and and you got two Uh, freshmen behind him.
1: Yeah. And I'm wondering how he actually is, if he really is kind of sore or if there's something going on, I don't know. I, I, with him, but uh, they can't take that chance. You know, they just cannot and they need to run some of the other guys and actually some of the fans have been writing to me and, and I, I, wish I would, you know, you only get to ask Manny one thing, you know, and, and, and a follow. So you can't ask different things for interviews, but I wish someone uh, would have asked uh, about Thad Franklin, why yeah. he's getting as many characters. He's hardly playing. I think he played in
0: one game, right? Yeah. yeah I think they, they, you know, they, have not you know even when they had well they haven't really had the three i don't think they had the three running backs available simultaneously at any point this year right but it's hard to get a third guy involved right especially i think cody and cody brown and and Thad are a little redundant uh, i would say um both like big goal line type that you know we've seen cody brown score a couple touchdowns in those uh goal to go from the one yard line situation um i just think it makes it you know if if you're if cody brown's only going to get 15 snaps a game or something like and he's ahead of obviously he's ahead of Thad then I think it makes it hard to rep Thad in also um unless an injury or something like that but um yeah the Knighton has been they got to keep him healthy because I they clearly don't trust those and understandably those two true freshmen to have a significant workload right now um as I mentioned the offensive line was another takeaway I had here um you know it's both, you know, neither of us are offensive line experts. Um, it seems like the tackle play has been pretty steady since Jared Williams got out there. I think, you know, based yeah, on the FF, both of those guys, Zion and Jared Williams have been like top 50 in the country at their positions, basically, you know, real solid, you know, Zion doesn't look like the first round pick that, that maybe he was pegged as, but certainly for a guy who is a former like two-star recruit, um, is, has been a really nice, has had a really nice career so far. Um, but you know whether it's coincidence or Ja'Kai Clark just really maybe his athleticism has helped a little bit. The, the interior seems way better, um, and you know I, I think a lot of times when we would go back and watch these sacks, it was the interior. You know, it was D, uh, DJ Scafe or, or Navon missing a block, um, and it just it felt like those those two have been a lot steadier here. And and obviously the the run uh, the run game goes a lot with those interior guys, so uh, that. It, see that it seems like they've been played a lot better. Um, and, and Rhett Lashley basically said as much on Monday. Uh, number six I got here, we talked about the young receivers a little bit, but I, I think Charleston Rambo is like they've been waiting for him, right? They've needed a guy like him all year, that go-to playmaker. Yeah, I think Mike Harley was that for a little bit last year. I think K.J. Osborne did that, obviously, a few years back. Um mm-hmm. But Charles Rambo obviously came in with pretty big expectations. I think it uh, was a little slow out the gates, but I mean, he, he's become like, he looks like. an editor. I know.
1: I, I, Yeah. They, they just announced that he, they added his name to the bullet uh, award watch list. You know, that goes to the top uh, pass catcher in the nation at the end of the season. Um, and he's, you know, he he, he's leading in everything he has 51 catches 650 receiving yards already uh four touch receiving touchdowns and he's averaging a
0: chance at a thousand yard season
1: yeah it's pretty interesting right I looked at that especially
0: if they make a bowl and uh ACC championship
1: yeah 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 definitely um very uh gratifying I guess you could say actually yeah today I did something I just posted something on on the transfer portal and he's one of those guys that yeah but you know just like uh Tyreek
0: Stevenson who I think is
1: on your list right
0: he is um yeah <laughs> and, and uh you know the, the thing with uh Ram you know at the start of the year I mentioned Mike Harley but also like you know Will Mallory was, was pretty rough to start the year and, and I think yeah you know it was e- it's sure. easy like to like put like the change in the Miami offense and just say like, since Tyler Van Dyke has come in, like things have gotten way better, but at the start of the year, just nothing was working right Derek Clearly was not hundred percent. The offensive line was really bad. And, you know, they shuffled the lineup a lot, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. because they were not playing up to standard. Um, you know, Jalen Knighton was missing. And I think that dimension, you know, his missing dimension was felt. Um And again, like Mallory was dropping passes right, left and right. Uh, The wide receivers were not, you know, they were dropping balls again and not making those downfield plays like, like we saw kind of toward the end of last year. Um, And for whatever reason, just everyone has started to play better. And and I think, you know, DeArt King missed not having a, a a true number one target. And, you know, I know Xavier Restrepo was the guy on Saturday, but, Charleston Rambo is clearly like the number one receiver for this team in a way that I think you, you know, the second half of last year, Mike Carley got there. other than that, yes. Back yes, to KJ Osborne for them to have had a guy who like, you really felt like you could just kind of trust to throw the ball up to him and he was going to make you apply.
1: Yeah. There's, there's no doubt Rambo is, is a guy. And, uh, and I, and I hope Mike, you know, Mike catches some more passes and, uh, you know, keeps coming along, and some of those young guys look really good. Uh, Keyshawn Smith looks real good, um, and like you said, Xavier Restrepo, I their their playmakers are uh, are are stepping forward now, yeah. and even the Will Mallory's thing. Like, yeah, he said. was
0: he's caught a touchdown uh-huh. on. Uh, he's had Elijah two good in a row, actually.
1: Right, and hey, you got the young Elijah Arroyo. Yeah, got he his, had a touchdown. Touchdown. Yeah. And Keyshawn Smith, his first career touchdown. And it's like Keyshawn Smith said he was, you know, he's, he's been totally uh, excited in practice this week, fired up, um, because of that touchdown. He said he wants more, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of defensive takeaways before we wrap up here. Um, number seven on my list is just the defense still not, uh, you know, not, not great, right? And I think the, the determining factor of whether this team, you know, they got four games left, that they'll be favored in all four. Again, I know we talked about this at the start of the year, but now it, it really seems like that. Um, the, if this team coasts through the last four games, like maybe the point spread suggests they, they should. You know, 10 more of the favorites this weekend probably will be, could be similar against Virginia Tech and Duke. Florida State will always be closer, but, uh, you know, obviously that was a team, that's a team that lost to Jacksonville State earlier this year. Um, the defense has to be better if they're going to coast through it. If not, they're going to play some of these close games. And I still wonder how much better this defense can actually get and, and how much is just the limitations of the personnel they have out there right now.
1: It could be. I mean, you know, I, James Williams back there with Cam is. doesn't it feel like an improvement?
2: <laughs> yeah
0: well maybe this compares well with my next one my number eight takeaway which is that the young defenders are, are making plays it's kind of the thing we knew all along they could do right um, you know like the first drive Miami gives up two third downs and uh Manny Diaz said those were basically coverage busts on the freshman safeties who were starting and Cam said I think at least one of those was kind of his fault he didn't communicate well enough so you know they, they gave up 519 passing yards I think right like Yes, the so, you know the safeties have something to do with that, obviously. But in the end, Manny Diaz's best defenses have always been based around the playmaking, right? Uh, obviously, tackles for loss, um, sacks, and above all else, takeaways. And these young guys, you know, whether it's Leonard Taylor, who's kind of at this point flying under the radar a little bit seems to come up with a tackle for loss in a big spot every week. You know, he was instrumental on that last drive. Uh, I don't think he got credit on the sack, but kind of had the initial pressure on the sack right before James Williams' interception. And then obviously James Williams wins the game essentially uh, with his interception uh, down by the goal line to keep Miami up four points. So those young guys better late than never to get them on the field that they're doing. You know, they're, they're probably not as consistent as some of these older guys, but when you're going to give up a lot of points anyway, which it seems like this defense is going to, you want those guys. You can just make the one game-changing play, whether it's James Williams, whether it's Leonard Taylor, or, or, you know, even Cam Kinchins had a big pass breakup late, obviously snuffed out the trick play. Uh, the young guys were, were legitimate stars on Saturday, and that's what Miami has needed on defense.
1: Yeah, and Marcus Clark is getting better, I would say.
0: Yeah, he had a really nice pass breakup against uh, NC State, I remember, in the end zone. Yeah, uh, So those guys are a big part of, I think, that, that, ha- that needs to be this team's defensive identity. I think at the start of the year, it's what we would have said the defensive identity would be, right? We would have thought they were going to give up some points and some yards, but they needed to find a pass rusher to get some sacks, or they needed uh, a secondary that looked like it was going to be good to come up with a lot of interceptions. And the infusion of these young guys, I think, has helped that a lot. Uh, the other thing that's helped out a lot is my number nine takeaway, and that's uh, Tyree Stevenson. Uh, <laughs> yes. He's been fantastic in the last few weeks. I think he's been really good all year, but, you know, obviously his first interception on Saturday, um, and he's a guy you don't notice a lot, which, as I always say, is a good thing with the defensive back.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he is he's getting better, and I, it was hard to believe that was his first career interception in college. Yeah. Realize that. So yeah, he started,
0: I think, every game for Georgia last year, but was playing more of like a, he was playing their striker position. So obviously, right. a little different.
1: Yeah. Well, he is, he's, he's really good. And yeah, they've, they've, they've got to keep making, you know, the big plays when they need to. And, uh, and, and, and their coverage has to get better, though.
0: Their yeah. I feel like if they, you know, they hit two takeaways, I think on Saturday. Um, if they come up with two takeaways a game and they don't, you know, they turn the ball over once, also. If, if they come up with two takeaways a game and don't like kill themselves with turnovers, obviously, mm-hmm. I feel like that like should be kind of enough right now. If this offense, you know, keeps playing somewhere in the same stratosphere, um, you know, I'm not expecting Tyler Van Dyke to go out and throw for 425 yards every week. But, you know, you had 325 the week before. I think flirting with about 300 every week, 300-plus every week is, is reasonable. Um, and if they do that and they get a couple takeaways a week, two maybe plus a, a turnover on downs or something, um, then I, I think that's enough right now. You know, they're not going to be a team that shuts out opponents probably, except, that, like I said, the schedule gets a little easier. But they're not a top 50 defense even. But if they can just get those takeaway numbers back up, um that should be enough I think. Yeah. Uh last takeaway I have uh really a question has Manny Diaz saved his job for now? For now. Yeah, that's
1: I can I it's hard I mean yes for now he definitely has saved his job. Um I was I mean for I mean we it was pretty tenuous there. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Has he saved it for the, the whole season? I, I can't answer that. I still I still can't answer that because we have to see what happens in the game. Like if, yeah. if for some reason they go out and, you know, get beat, you know, 45 to to six this game, I can't tell you for sure he saved his job.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, it feels like the, the Florida State game is like the last hurdle for the in-season firing. Yeah, it does.
1: Like, it does. It like, does. The like, I, I, Florida like,
0: State – all bets could be off, but for now, um, yeah, you know, I,
1: yes, yes, for now, pretty saved good saved job. job, yes, he, he, definitely.
0: And if they he, get to he, eight and four and win the ACC somehow, I think, obviously, at that point, oh, he's definitely,
1: yeah, if they win the ACC, if they win, the, I think, even if they win the, I don't know, because some people if they win the coastal, they, they go to make title game, but they, a lot, again, a lot has to happen for yeah. that. I mean, for them to win the Coastal, let's say they don't win the Coastal, right? But they win. They win like out. Eight and
0: four and don't win the Coastal. Four. Yeah. It's yeah, a little complicated.
1: It, well, well, if they're eight and four, it would be really nice if UM won a bowl game. Yeah, that
0: would be. I mean, Manny Diaz is obviously uh, 0-2 so far in bowl games. Miami has not won a bowl game since, is it the Sun Bowl in like 2011 or something, right?
1: You no. Know, Oh, no. no, sorry,
0: it's the camp, whatever the Orlando yes, board is. Camping World Virginia. Bowl.
1: So, what was that, 2016? Yeah,
0: whatever it was called at the time. Yeah, 2016, I think. It was Rick's yeah. first year, right? Was it West Virginia? Who did they beat? I think it was West Virginia, right? Maybe. Yeah, I.
1: but yes, uh, yeah, it was Rick.
0: Rick's um, first year. So it's been a while. And, uh, you know, if you go eight and four, you're getting in. I think I saw one of the bowl projections today uh, has them playing Florida in the Gator Bowl. Uh, you think that would be like coaching for your job potentially? I think it's possible. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> Um And then obviously, you know, they could go six to six still, right? <laughs> like, then it gets very tenuous.
1: Very dicey. But, yeah. but for
0: now, it looks pretty good. And I, I, at this point, I'd be surprised if Miami only finishes six and six. They they look really good right now. We'll see if they can keep it up, though. Uh, Miami is. Uh, prone to a letdown i would say historically recent historically
1: I, I i yeah totally agree
0: but All right, uh, let's take a quick upswing. Break. yeah definitely on the upswing right now but it could yeah. always become a downswing very quickly <laughs> okay uh, let's take a quick break uh we'll be joined by michelle kaufman uh to talk some miami basketball all right. Now joined by Michelle Kaufman, our Miami Hurricanes basketball beat writer here at the Herald uh, opening day coming up on Tuesday. We, last we talked, I think it was probably right around when they started practice, maybe ahead of media day uh, since then they've had uh, one open scrimmage against Nova Southeastern, uh, who's a, a very good, I don't know. Are they D2? Whatever they are. Yes, they're good. They're D2. They're very they're good D2. D2 program. I think I just saw their top 15 to start the season. Um, Still a little, probably a little more hairy than they would have liked that scrimmage to be. Uh, Isaiah Wong scores 40 in that they gave up probably, you know, considering it was a D2 opponent, way too many shots. It was a very high scoring game. Um, Since the last time we talked, I guess most of the revelations are probably stuff you took away from that game and and maybe just a little bit from practice and what uh, the coaching staff is saying. But where we're how have your expectations maybe changed or or become more clarified, I guess, over the last few weeks as we're approaching opening day?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think the fans have reason to be optimistic. I will say, of course, we haven't seen much yet, but, (laughs) <laughs> the main thing is that they're having practices with like 14 people.
0: Yeah, that was a big topic we said last week because they just have players now.
2: That's already an improvement over last time. Um, I did talk to a few players and Coach L talked about, uh, you know, they had a lot of problems with injuries last year. And I kept asking, is there a problem with your trainer, with the way you guys train? There's a new trainer this year. Uh, Coach L said that there were a lot of complaints from players So they have a new trainer and everybody seems very, very happy with this new trainer named Sam Johnson. Um, So, so far, of course, it's just the beginning of practice, but they all seem pretty healthy. They've been having full practices, full scrimmages where they can have actually 5v5 instead of, you know, just using six players total. So uh, they seem to be healthier, which that's right there an improvement over last year. If they that was number that one up. priority. Number one priority was have some bodies on the court. Uh, and then the other thing is Charlie Moore, you know, I had heard and read this guy's really a true point guard. He really does seem to be uh, just from what I've seen. I, you know, I've been to what two practices uh, and seeing what happened with the with the scrimmage, hearing the other players talk about him. he is the true point guard that Miami has been lacking for the last few years since Angel Rodriguez left. Um, You know, uh, Chris likes was really a five foot six shooting guard. He, you know, he wasn't really a guy who was always looking to distribute the ball. You know Uh, I think that Charlie Moore is going to be much more of a distributor. He's an older guy. He's very experienced and uh, he's going to get everybody much more involved in the offense. And I think, you know, that already has been showing in the practice games that they've had. Uh, Wuga, we discussed last time. First of all, I asked him the origin of his name. He says it's not that exciting, but his aunt called him that when he was a baby. He was a little Wuga and that stuck. So he is Wuga Poplar. That's what he goes by. That's what he signs his school papers with. That's what's on the roster. He is going to be He's a very good offensive player, but he does not know how to play defense yet. Uh, so that the main thing that this team is working on right now is defense. They have a lot of offensive firepower. I really feel like, and they feel like, they have a lot of players who can shoot, a lot of players who can score the ball, as people say now. Which I don't know.
0: Yeah, I've never heard that.
2: Where did that term start? But I've never liked it. What do you mean, score the ball? And Coach L even says it now, now. He says, score the ball. What else are you scoring? You know, what are you scoring? uh, What? You score. Why are you scoring the ball? I don't get that. But anyway, they all say that there's a lot of guys on this team who can score the ball. Uh, Rodney Miller and Dang Gack and uh, Sam Wardenberg, you know, they're all kind of back big men. Um, So I think they will be a little bit deeper in the post. Um, And, you know, Anthony Walker is just kind of an all around player that nobody ever talks about, but he can actually be a pretty good player. So I think we'll see what happens. I mean, it looks right now like you're going to have Charlie Moore starting. You're going to have Jordan Miller starting the other transfer, Isaiah Wong, Cam McGusty, and then Sam Wardenberg. That seems to be the starting five. Uh, and I think that's a pretty decent starting five. Very you know, good they,
0: offensive starting five. Not Very, very good finish.
2: offensive starting five. Yeah, they, they're picked 12th in the ACC. I know that they want to be definitely finish higher than that. They think <laughs> that they're under the radar. They're considering themselves an under the radar team that's going to finish better than 12th. So, you know, they, they really, honestly, the last two years, they've had losing records, which is, Cam uh, McGusty told me, that um, one of the main takeaways, you know, he put his name in the draft Mm -hmm. and went and tested the waters. And the main thing that he said that he took away was several of the scouts told him that they really are looking for players who are coming from winning teams, looking for players coming from winning programs. And that so far the last two years, Cam Mcgusty and Isaiah Wong have been playing on a losing team. Yeah, And that doesn't help their NBA stock. They were both told that if they come back and help this team become a winning team, that will prove something to the NBA scouts, that they were able to take a losing team and help turn it into a winning team. So those two guys in particular are very motivated to get this team on the winning side again because they, they had a losing record the last two years, both in conference and overall.
0: Yeah, in that scrimmage, uh, Isaiah Wong, 40 points in 30 minutes. Cam Agusti, 22 points. Um, Charlie Moore, also 25 in that game, plus five assists. Five turnovers, which uh not ideal. But uh, the big – my question here is, what was their kind of reaction to that scrimmage? Because obviously they score 106. They give up 95 and. I think the the most the one concerning number you take out of that is that they got out rebounded. And yeah. it, it does seem like that could be the fatal flaw with this team. Where are they? You mentioned a couple of the centers. Obviously, it seems like Sam Wardenberg is going to start. He's really more of like a stretch four, who they're yeah. is tall enough to get some rebounds. Uh, but obviously, it's not his MO. Jordan Miller is probably the most natural rebounder, just like with his width and stuff like that um again anthony walker is a guy like is like a sneaky potential energy rebounder type guy um how concerned are they with with that aspect of the game like you said they have options at center but it does not seem like they have anything close to a traditional center other than maybe rodney miller
2: right yeah i agree i think rebounds i think i mean rodney miller did
0: not play in that game i guess i should rodney
2: miller didn't play he was out okay Um, I see Charlie Moore had six rebounds. Yeah, that's, nice. that's not the best thing. If your if point guard is one of your leading rebounders. Yeah,
0: um, Augustus, they, those, I mean, Wong, like those guards are actually pretty good rebounders, but I do wonder about the size. Yeah, generally. And I'm not a guy who panics about size necessarily in college basketball, but uh, it does seem like that could be the fatal flaw of this team.
2: Right. Well, that is the one position that they felt that they didn't fill with mm-hmm. the transfer portal. Right. Uh, yeah. Jordan Miller is, you know, he's going to be a good addition to the team. Um, Charlie Moore is a point guard, but then, you know, the, the one thing that coach L said, they really didn't, they were hoping to get one big guy, uh, through the transfer portal. And that really didn't happen. So they're basically in the post, you're looking at Sam Wardenberg, which is, as you said, he's really more of a forward Rodney Miller. He, you know, he's older now. He's had some injuries. Uh, dang Gak has been around. Um, but he has not been like the super aggressive rebounder that you want, you know, banging the glass. I mean, I just don't see him as that kind of guy. Um, I really see Anthony Walker as being somebody, Anthony Walker, Cam McGusty, really the guards, the guards and Anthony Walker are going to have to do the, I think the majority of the, uh, of the rebounding.
0: Yeah. All right. I'll I'll get you out on this. Uh, I'll put you on the spot. Does this team make the NCAA tournament?
2: Oh boy. Oh, it's really going to depend partly also on how the ACC does. That's true. And how many teams get chosen. But when I'm looking at the top of the ACC, Duke, FSU, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Louisville, you know, do I see UM finishing higher than any of those six? I would have to honestly say probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if they go down to seven, eight teams, um, I do, I do think they could be better than 12. I do think they will be better than 12. I don't know that they're going to be a top five right. ACC team. I think they could be top half, right. you know, right. top. Yeah, half. I, was gonna
0: say, I feel like top eight is like a reasonable expect or a goal for this team. Yes. Right? Yes. The expectation is well, like you said, they're preseason 12 in the poll, but I, I think internal expectations are obviously much higher than that. Um, I even think the fan base's expectations are, are higher than that. But I think top eight is like, if you're top eight in the ACC, you're usually probably going to get in the NCAA tournament. Yeah,
2: I think if they finish top eight, I think that is I think a reasonable
0: thing to shoot for.
2: The realistic thing to shoot for for this team would be to finish, you know, somewhere between seven, eight in the ACC and get one of those last spots into the tournament, you know, and try to try it. You mm-hmm. never know once you're in the tournament, but, you know, I, I think that Duke is going to, some of these teams are going to, it's hard. You know, the other thing this year with, with projecting is that every team, every team just about has three or four transfers right. who are going to be playing significant roles. So. And then obviously every the Dukes North so of the
0: world are freshman heavy.
2: Right. Every team looks so different from how it looked last year that you really have to kind of throw away last year and say, you know, most of the teams this year do not look much like their team last year and teams are going to have fans in the stands again, which a lot of teams did not, you know, Duke, I can tell you, my daughter goes there. She was at Cameron last week for their first, you know, preseason game. Uh, The students are back. There's going to be energy again in a lot of these buildings where there wasn't any last year. So I really think it's very hard to project anything based on last season on what's going to happen this season, which makes it kind of interesting. I just think uh, we don't know until we see a few games from everybody. I really don't think we know what we're going to see.
0: All right. Well, uh, everyone should obviously have Tuesday circled opening day and then the next one uh, circled. I would you see, say. Yeah. Yeah, I guess UCF. I was looking at November twenty fifth, November twenty sixth in the uh, tournament in Orlando. They played Dayton and then potentially Kansas in the second game of that tournament. Uh, right. We, uh, Dayton, I think, was really down last year, but obviously, you know, it was incredible two years ago. So, right. Uh, a good test to start that tournament, and then obviously, uh, if they get Kansas in game two, I think Alabama's in that tournament too. Uh, that is. Going to be a really good early season measuring stick. Yeah,
2: Charlie Houston. Moore played for Kansas. True.
0: Among his yeah. many
2: stops, he played at Kansas. True. <laughs> also, by the way, one little note on that UCF game for longtime UM fans: uh, their assistant coach at UCF, Johnny Dawkins, is the coach, and the yeah. assistant coach is Kevin Norris of UM point guard fame from the Leonard Hamilton days. Uh, he they used to call him Stink. And he was a, a really a really good fun point guard to watch. And he is an assistant coach for Johnny da- uh, Dawkins at um, at uh, UCF. So, if the UM fans are there and notice a familiar face on the sideline, it's Kevin Norris. Yeah, and
0: that's a uh, Saturday game, Saturday afternoon game. I Saturday think. afternoon,
2: two o'clock. So yeah.
0: hopefully that one uh, gets the building packed a little bit again for the first time. That and, would be nice. Uh, way too yeah. long. Uh, you can follow Michelle on Twitter at cough Sports. Uh, until uh, we'll get you on hopefully a couple of weeks into the season. Once we uh, kind of see where this team is going, maybe, maybe after that uh, Thanksgiving tournament, right. When uh, football season's wrapping up too uh, ACC big 10 challenges around that same time. So uh, big games come early for Miami this season. I think we'll give us a good sense of, of what this team is going to look like. Absolutely. Thanks Michelle And uh, we'll talk to you later on.
2: All right. Sounds good.